Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Bulevanaka and welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinny Wiley. This week, Samoa steps up preparations for the 2019 Pacific Games. The PNG Hunters and Fijian Indrua lose big in Australia. And Fiji's Sevens team have their first major pre-season hit out in Germany. But first, officials are painting a rosy picture two months out from the start of the Pacific mini-games in Vanuatu. The main test event will be held on the 25th of November, where all functional areas and games services will be fully operational, nine days before the opening ceremony on December the 4th. Van 2017 Chief Executive Officer Clint Flood says it's now about sorting out the finer details. There's a lot of action. I mean, from early morning to late night, uh, our staff, we've now got 75 doing all sorts of stuff. Last night, for instance, we trained uh, 75 of our team leaders who are, are kind of the top echelon of our, our volunteer pool so that they can now start to engage with the 2,000 volunteers behind them. So it's now attention to detail. We've got the big picture in place, but now it's getting our procedures and our policies and all those things in place and making sure that everybody from the top down understands that. How crucial are those volunteers? Because there's people like yourself in head office, the people that make big decisions or you know, have to uh, you know, approve things and, and get things going. But uh, ultimately, you know, the plans and, and structures and... I guess the vision you have is actually carried out by, you know, tens, hundreds, thousands of people that eventually you've got no control over. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 2,000 volunteers that are really the face of the games. They're the ones that check the tickets. They're, one, they're the ones that uh, fill out the accreditation cards. They're the ones making sure our cars get parked. They're the ones making sure that our, our workforce gets our meals, et cetera. So, yes, while we put the big picture in place, without these people doing that work, the system would fall apart in a, in a half. They are the face of the games. They are the army that delivers it for us. Our job is to make sure we give them the information, what they need to do, and we also need to support them. So, you know, we've, we've got a program where we've got 60,000 workforce meals. We need to make sure that our workforce is fed. We, we've, we've got to get them uh, to the venues each day. We've got to make sure that, you know, their well-being is taken care of as well. So it's, it's a big job. Of course, teams and athletes and officials will be arriving before that too. So uh, it's November 30th, I think, is when, when they start to arrive. The chefs are coming a little bit earlier, and then the teams start to arrive on Moss on, on the 29th and 30th. Our training venues open on the 30th because, of course, the athletes come here. Yes, while the, important, the opening ceremonies are important, uh, some of those athletes won't actually do their, their competitions for another 10 days afterwards. So we need to make sure the training venues are there and the equipment's there so they can compete at their best when, when the gun goes off for them. And in terms of those facilities, Clint, what's um, you know at the forefront of your mind? I see that the weightlifting venue has been changed and that that's not far away from completion. Where are all the venues at? Outstanding, really. Um, the uh, Chinese government through their People's Republic of China, through their aid program to Vanuatu, and their contractor are very close to handing over the project now at Corman, which is our main complex. You know, 12 out of our 14 sports are there. We have uh, the handover date now is fixed. It, it's going to be October the 28th. 
So we're very confident that everything's on track there. Uh, a POW2, which is where the weightlifting, we, we needed to change that. But it's it's nearing completion. It's a project being done by the uh, Seventh-day Adventist uh, Church, um, and they're working with a partnership with us to make sure that venue's done. Honestly, the venues are the least of our concern right now. They were for some time, but but the contractors have done an amazing job. And we got through the weather window. Uh, you know, now we've, we we want to make sure there's some rain to to get the grass going a little bit better, uh, and then stop mid November. And 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 then after the games, uh, it, it can fill up the dams again. But we need to make sure that hopefully for a month we get dry weather. But overall, we're in fantastic shape with the venues. That's Van 2017 CEO Clint Flood. The Pacific Games Association of Samoa says it intends to appoint an organising committee for the 2019 Pacific Games as soon as possible. Samoa was announced as the Games' host a month ago after Tonga pulled out in July, citing financial concerns. President of Samoa's Association of Sports and National Olympic Committee, Patrick Fapuliai, says a lot needs to be achieved in a short space of time. I don't think we had any idea that this would happen, but things have turned around a bit uh, from mid-year on when uh, Tonga pulled out of the Games. Because it came down to Guam and and Samoa, but ultimately it only came down to Samoa. You were the only option because both Guam and Tahiti could not get that government backing, and your government was so quick, the Prime Minister was so quick to say, yes, we want the Games, yes, we'll underwrite the Games, and and yes, we'll give it full backing, and that's, that's, as we've seen with what happened in Tonga, that's so important. You can't, without government support, host these sort of games, especially they're the uh, main games, not mini games. For that, really grateful for our government for the support. Uh, otherwise, I don't think we would have bothered putting in a bid if they hadn't given their support. Do you have an idea of what these games are going to cost, Samo? We submitted an amount in our bid, I think, to run the games, not only to repair some of the facilities that we need to repair. And the games operation side, we submitted a bit of about 40 million tala. So that's basically what our budget is. We might need to revisit that at some stage with the Pacific Games Council. But that's basically what we submitted in our bid. Uh, a lot of money involved, but at the same time, I think we also, as my party do this, need to sell the game, get sponsors on board to help alleviate these costs. If that figure does go up, is the government's promise that it will underwrite no matter what? So yes. obviously, well, you, you government won't... Would, uh, would, would underwrite, but I think in just looking, because with the exception of, I think, our netball courts, which got damaged by... Uh, Cyclone Evan. All the facilities are in good nick. Uh, some of them we uh, use for the um, Commonwealth Youth Games. But the good thing about it is we do not need to uh, build any new facilities for the sports that we are hosting. So that's uh, the great thing about it. What is the sort of feeling you get on the street uh, when you're talking to people about the games and and now that the country knows they are hosting it? Is there enthusiasm? Well, I think there's a, a very uh, good feeling very positive feedback and vibe from the community that we managed to get the games. Uh, I personally haven't heard anybody uh, say anything negative about us getting the games. So that's, I think, the good thing about this. Our people, I think, are very supportive of the opportunity to play host in 2019. And with such a short time frame, such a short run into the games, uh, every day, every week, every month is pretty important. So what's the, the focus at the moment? Now you've had a few weeks for everything to settle down. What what are the key uh, aspects that you guys well, are working on uh, at the moment? Uh, we, we need to uh, get our organising committee in place. 
And with that, we need a secretariat to help carry these out. These are the people that will be working full-time to help us deliver the games. We need to appoint somebody to head that secretariat like a CEO. So uh, these um, we need to get legislation in place uh, to not only recognize, but also incentive for our sponsors. So, I mean, these things we did previously for the um, Pacific Games when we hosted in 2007. So uh, the templates are all there. The only issue here is we have such a short turnaround time to do all this. I mean, it's actually less than two years because it's July 2019 when we are proposing that to have the Games. Are there any sort of dates um you know, with the Pacific Games Council that you've agreed to have things ticked off by or are there any sort of milestones you need to meet at this early stage? Yes, uh, we've uh, already uh, had discussions with the Pacific Games Council and uh, they've given us some timelines that we need to work towards. Uh, So they've given us certain tasks Uh, that we need to do. But they've been really helpful in providing some of the information that we were after. I think it's now a time for us and government to get our act together and uh, start doing some of these things that we need to have in place. That's Patrick Fapuliai from Samoa's Pacific Games Association. The Papua New Guinea Hunters were left to rue a horror start as they were outclassed 42-18 by Penrith in the NRL State Championship Final. The Queensland Cup winners trailed 38 points to two at halftime and only managed three consolation tries in the final quarter of the match after the Panthers had a player sent to the Sinbin. Coach Michael Marum says it was too little, too late. We just got off a really, really bad start in the first half. You know, we allowed seven tries in that first uh, 40 minutes so. And that was a turning point on our game. And just you know, uh, game-wise, you know, we, our defense is just really bad on the edges. And uh, now we, we didn't we didn't uh, slow the play the ball down. They, they just they were just too good, too big, uh, and just too quick. Yeah, all over the park. Yeah, in that 40 minutes. Yeah, I mean, obviously last week you got off to a slow start as well. Not as slow, of course. It was only 10 points at half time. But you know, considering what happened last week and the fight back from your team, did you did you feel like they might be able to hold it together there. They might, you know, that would give them the confidence that maybe something similar could happen. Yeah, I know we, we we felt the same last weekend. You know, we, I expected uh, to have the uh, bit of nerves again in the first ten minutes, but you know, you know, we we just we just couldn't control it for for the minutes. We have got to learn a lot of from this game and then move on to that. You know, I suppose obviously the Intra Super Cup was the big one. That was the the whole season natural competition, but. Uh, even though you're disappointed from this one, I suppose there's a lot of learnings to take out of it. There's a lot you can learn from this match. That, you know, there's obviously still areas you can prove. There's still a lot um, you know you can work on uh, looking ahead to next season. Uh, definitely right. Yeah, now we we had a pretty much uh, good season this year, finishing of the uh, S Premiers in the uh, Inter Super Cup in uh, Queensland, and then also you know, to come this far and play in the state uh, championships just not our outstanding uh, achievement for the side. We wanted to uh, uh, finish off everything well, but you know things didn't go our way. But you know, Penn retired, but it's still good. And uh, yeah, and we will we'll take a lot of out of this game. We can help us in future games and next year. Yeah. That's the PNG Hunters coach Michael Marum. The Fijian Indrua have dropped to fourth in the Australian National Rugby Championship after a crushing 66 to five defeat in Canberra, which snapped their three-game winning streak. Vikings winger Andy Muirhead scored the opening try in the fourth minute of the match 
and from there on, the home side never relinquished their lead, running in 10 tries to 1. Andrua backs Irani Vasateri and Apasalome Wakatambu will also face a judicial hearing on Thursday after being cited over an alleged eye-gouging incident. Canberra coach Tim Sampson admits he was surprised at just how well it went for the home side. Oh, certainly not to that that uh, sort of scoreline, but we we um, yeah we prepped really well and uh, we, we played good footy. Although losing the last couple of weeks, we played good footy, so I knew we had that performance in us. When you put these plans in place during the week and, and you try and identify some weaknesses and areas where you can maybe get a bit of an advantage, uh, do you ever expect it to come together quite like that? Uh, yeah, it's a dream. Uh, you certainly hope so. But um, yeah, look, there were things that we focused on during the week coming up against uh, the Drewer, and uh, thankfully tonight they they did come off. And that's uh, that's credit to the players to go out there and to execute what we practiced during the week. And, and you talked about, despite a couple of losses, that you felt the team was, was playing good. Um, I mean, so what does this do for the confidence of that squad? A bit of extra, extra belief in, um, in what we can and how we can play. You know, there was a lot of confidence there, like I said before, where we've been reasonably happy with how we've been going, especially with our defence. So an attack uh, was a big focus for us this week, and, and that was holding on to the ball and starving PG possession, which we did quite well. And uh, you think a few teams would have been looking at the blueprint you guys put out there tonight? And uh, you know, I guess it sounds pretty simple when you when you put it that way. You just say start from the position, but I guess it's not always that easy. You've got to execute. That, that's exactly right, and that's been our downfall, Vinny. And the first four four rounds is just our attack execution. So we nailed it tonight. Uh, we've got to make sure we um, we play at that level now for the rest of the tournament. That's the Canberra Vikings rugby coach Tim Sampson. A new-look Fijian squad are stressing the positives after finishing runners-up to Australia at the Oktoberfest Sevens in Munich over the weekend. The Olympic champions were thrashed 40 points to 7 in the final, having also lost to the Aussie Sevens in pool play. Head coach Gareth Babers says it was a valuable hit-out two months out from the start of a new World Seven Series campaign. There were two that have played sort of reasonably so over the last two two years. That was Tivoli Mosena Thaggy and uh, and Amanoni Silasila. But apart from that, uh, there was two that made their debut last year, but the others were all new. So, I mean, that's good for us in terms of you know bringing players through and having those competition levels. And the best thing, I mean, whatever you you know you talk about in terms of being international athletes is is the conditioned element, i.e., getting used to tournaments that are of that that level um, and being able to handle yourself through them, uh, responding to disappointments in a competition and or keeping your feet on the ground when you do well. So there was plenty of that in, in that tournament for us. And you know, I'm pleased with what they've come back with. Uh, we've come back relatively, we got one injury, uh, which is potential for, for longer term. But um, yeah, it's good to, to get them back into Fiji after doing some of that and review with them and find out exactly and exactly what they got from it. And uh, at this early point in the season, although I guess it's you know getting ever closer to Dubai at the start of December, you've got the Oceanias at the start of November, so d- does this tournament sort of accelerate, um, I-, I guess, your progress and building up towards those? Yes, yeah, it does. I mean, you know, I've been involved in 15s rugby for a long time, and we would always prepare through a, an off-season uh, and then come into, into the beginnings of a, a new season with some pre-season tournaments and this sort of ranks for me in one of those where you get to look at players um, that aren't you playing in competitions, which uh, obviously have, have strong KPIs attached to them. So as coaches, you know, it gives an opportunity to, to blood some young players and develop some uh, more senior players, which is what this has provided. And as you say, 
HSBC series creeps up on us uh, at a, ra- a, a rapid rate. Um, and um, the Oceania tournament is just around the corner since November. So uh, I think for me, the big the big issues are really a, is putting performance over a, over a long period of time. If you if you say that this is the start of it, i.e. the German tournament, which was last weekend, and then you see the World Cup at the end of it, then you're looking at a good sort of nine, ten month block. So, um, you know, it's to me that's you know what I'm tasked to do is to ensure that we keep developing the players uh, physically and and all the aspects of rugby that go into it and mentally, um, and get them exactly where I need to throughout that nine month period. So, every other coach is going to be having the same battles and uh, how we go about it. Uh, I'm sure the different coaches have different ideas on how they do that, but obviously we've got a plan and, and we need to stick to that one. How much stock do you put on the results? Obviously, you lost to Australia and your two matchups are over in that tournament, including pretty heavily in the final. But you know, as you've mentioned, there were a number of new players. So, uh, is is the scoreboard important to you at this point? Scoreboard is always important. Yes, yeah. so it really gives you a reflection of exactly, I suppose, a measure for for you internally to to see exactly how a group is progressing. Um, but equally, you know, we 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 when we played South Africa in the semi final, we did that to South Africa, and um, you know, again, you know, I know Ben before me, and obviously I said a lot about consistency and uh, within tournaments. Uh, you know, as I just said, you get a good performance like that against South Africa, uh, you have to keep your feet on the ground and you know be realistic about it. And then I, obviously South Africa responded in their third, fourth place playoff as well and played superbly well in that. So. I think it's happening for all teams at the moment, especially with inexperienced, inexperienced within the squads, um, you know, and that's us as coaches trying to give these players opportunities to develop that experience, which is hugely important in any learning process. Um, and obviously for the Australians, and, and Andy did really well with the group, um, there's you know, a number of faces there that we've seen previously and they showed their experience and their quality of having had time on the circuit previously. So, um that stands them in good stead. Uh, and obviously what I've got to be is realistic in terms of what that means to us in, in relevance to performance. And, and and then say, right, what's Andy done? What have we done? Where am I going in my planning? Um, there's no knee-jerk reactions to what we're doing because I've got to be safe in the knowledge of, of what I'm developing and what we're doing here. So, yeah, as I said, all coaches will have different ways and means they want to get things done. Um, I've got a plan at the moment and it involves growing the, the group that we've got for the battles we're going to have ahead over the next nine, ten months. And this tournament, to get to a final, uh, with the lack of experience that we did have in the group, I think was was no mean feat. And to see some of the performances from individuals and collectively along along the way was very pleased. So, so is there a lot of experience that will come back into contention once that actual World Series squad you know gets sort of finalised? Or is there going to be quite a, a new element to the, the squad you expect? There'll there'll be a mix. I mean, these these guys, you know, obviously have, have taken their opportunities to push their case. Um, we have, you know, a number of boys who were have been in the HSBC previously. Uh, some of those have been Olympians as well, who are still very much involved in the frame. But you know, it, it's it's open season really in terms of who wants to grab all of those those uh, those contracts. And um, you know, we'll be looking at that over the next sort of four or five weeks. We've looked at it in our training block so far. And we're building up the, the staff around the players as well to ensure that they're put under as much scrutiny as possible and, and, and we produce the, the squad of players that we need. So um, from a historical point of view, you always look at players who have experience, but um, ultimately they're there to be challenged. And I've been in, exa- in environments like that previously where you know, really, you're going to look at players who are who are coming up with the form and have got the 
the criteria necessary for being able to play at top level international rugby. So um, there's a lot of them in Fiji. Um, there's lots of selectors here in Fiji as well who remind me of those players. But my job is ultimately to say, right, these are the ones that carry us forward. And to answer your question, yes, some of those potentially will be will be boys who have been involved previously. That's Fiji Sevens coach Gareth Baber. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.